You're listening to Unabridged, the Christian fiction audiobook podcast. I'm Alana Terry, bringing you engrossing, engaging Christian fiction in bite-sized segments you can take with you on the go. This season's Unabridged Christian fiction audiobook is Termination Dust, an unforgettable suspense novel set in the heart of rural Alaska. Termination Dust is written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy, and sponsored by The Beloved Daughter, an audiobook about a young girl sent to a North Korean prison camp for her father's Christian faith. The Beloved Daughter has won awards from Women of Faith, Reader's Favorite, The Book Club Network, and several more. The audiobook version is narrated by Kathy Garver, lifelong actress and winner of two Audio Awards. Visit alanaterry.com beloved to get this audiobook free with your Audible trial today. And now, enjoy today's installment of Termination Dust, an Alaskan Refuge Christian Suspense audiobook. Chapter 45 Aside from Pip's throwing a minor tantrum when Kimmy moved his car collection back downstairs to the living room, the evening went smoothly enough. Meg was a bundle of nerves and motion until she swept out at quarter to six, complaining about how late she'd be, wishing Kimmy good luck on her big date, as if it were a final exam at school. The door slammed shut behind her with an echo, and then the house fell silent. Kimmy had showered and changed into a pair of her sister's black slacks and a black shirt. It was darker than what she'd normally wear, but the burgundy cardigan and a turquoise necklace from her sister gave a cheerful splash of color. She'd lost track of how many times she'd opened and shut the kitchen cabinets just so she could remember where everything was when Taylor arrived with the food. Pip adored his new dinosaur pajamas from Meg and was already dressed for bed. Kimmy was glad he was happy playing with those cars. Her sister might never know what a genius purchase that was. Kimmy wandered from room to room, wondering what she could do to make anything look more attractive. The house was spotless, and the decorations were sparse but tasteful. She hoped it wasn't too opulent for Taylor. She didn't want to make him uncomfortable, didn't want him to think she came from the kind of family that had nothing better to do than flaunt all their wealth to make others jealous. She tried to imagine how the night would go. She'd never been on a date before. Even though she and a boy in high school had crushes on each other for a while, she'd never been allowed to see him outside of school. She wondered if Meg was this nervous before her first date with Duane. Kimmy glanced once more at the mirror, hardly recognizing herself. From one angle, she looked tired and old, like you'd expect from someone who'd just lost their mother. But when the light caught her face a certain way and when she gave a faint smile— she glowed with maturity. She hoped Taylor wouldn't think she'd spent too much time getting ready. Meg insisted on putting some makeup on her, even though Kimmy had never worn anything besides chapstick and blush before. The foundation did wonders at hiding the smudges beneath Kimmy's eyes, but when she met with Taylor, she still wanted to look and feel like herself. Meg had fixed the house phone, and Taylor had called a few minutes earlier to let her know he was running late. Apparently, dozens of other hungry Anchorage residents were also in the mood for Chinese, and the wait for takeout would be longer than he'd expected. Kimmy paced the downstairs hallway, trying to calm her nerves, trying to keep from feeling guilty. What kind of daughter goes on a date the week her mother dies? 
she hummed one of her mom's Bible tunes, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. How much longer was Taylor going to take? She'd forgotten to ask Meg how to let him through the iron gate up the driveway. She checked the window every few seconds to see if he was on his way, ready to meet him. From the living room, Pip let out a squeal. When she got to him, she saw him struggling to separate two cars whose bumpers had gotten stuck together. Let me help, she urged, but her brother refused to let either of them go. If you give them to me, I can fix it. She felt bad for sounding irritated. It wasn't Pip's fault he got frustrated so easily. She finally managed to yank the cars out of his hands, ignoring the angry shrieks that died down the moment he realized his toys were free. She wondered what Taylor would think if she tried to wrestle her brother's medicine into him after dinner. It would probably be best to wait until he was gone. The doorbell rang, and Kimmy sprinted ahead, reaching it in just a few strides. Suddenly feeling foolish, she waited until she caught her breath so Taylor wouldn't think she'd been running, then flung the door open. The smile froze on her lips. It wasn't Taylor at the door. Chapter 46 Hello, Kimmy. You're looking grown up tonight. Chuck leered at her and shoved his way into the entrance, locking the door behind him. What are you doing? Kimmy could barely stammer the question. Just checking up on my favorite stepdaughter. He let out a grating chuckle as he glanced around the foyer. Too bad you're the ugly one of the sisters. You could never get a rich man to marry you and set you up in a home like this. Not with a face like that. Kimmy was bombarded with a dozen thoughts at once, which all finally managed to clear their way through the chaos into the single realization, I have to protect Pip. She figured the longer she could keep Chuck here in the foyer with her, the more chance her brother would have of staying safe. Maybe he'd recognize his father's voice and hide. Kimmy wished there was a clock somewhere. If she stalled long enough, Taylor would show up. He'd know what to do. Deciding that the best way to protect herself and her brother was to keep Chuck as calm as possible, she led him to the kitchen, taking the long route so he wouldn't pass the living room. Where's Pip? Chuck asked, glancing around as if his son might be hiding in one of the kitchen cabinets. He's not feeling well. He's got strep throat. Kimmy eyed the drawer where the meat knife was kept, trying to edge her way closer to it. Is that a phone behind you? He asked with a snarl. She nodded. Unplug it and slide it over to me. She didn't argue. The movement allowed her to sidle up to the knife drawer, which is where she hoped to stay for the remainder of this conversation. Chuck slammed the phone against the counter, chuckling as the batteries flew out. Then he did the same with the base. There now. His eyes glinted in the sunlight streaming in from the windows in the vaulted ceiling. Any other phones I need to know about? Kimmy shook her head. I suppose you know why I'm here. Kimmy blinked at him. Why was he here? To kill her? To kidnap Pip? 
Whatever it was he wanted, he wouldn't succeed. She inched her hand behind her toward the handle of the knife drawer. Your sister's got something that belongs to me. Kimmy didn't know what he was talking about, and she flinched when Chuck snarled. Where is it? I think it's in her room, she lied, hoping he might turn around, distracted enough to let her get at the knife. Chuck took a step toward her and grabbed her arm, pinching until she sucked in her breath from the sharp pain. Take me there. She took the long way again, praying that God would send his angels to protect Pip. As long as her brother stayed safe, it didn't matter what happened to her. Halfway up the staircase, she paused and glanced behind. Hurry up, Chuck snarled. She led him into her sister's room. Where is it? he demanded. In one of her dressers. She didn't say which. Chuck started ripping out the drawers of Meg's bureaus, flinging undergarments and shirts and gym clothes across the floor. Kimmy bit her lip. She didn't know what he was looking for, but as long as he stayed busy, nobody would get hurt. She glanced around her sister's room, wondering if there might be another phone in here. I don't see it. Chuck growled, flinging the last drawer against the bedpost. She said it was in here, I swear it. Kimmy had to keep him distracted. He glowered at her and she realized the sickening truth. He was sober. This wasn't some kind of drunken rage. This was methodical, premeditated. Pip, I hope you're hiding somewhere. Stop lying to me and tell me where that brat put it. Chuck stepped toward her, and Kimmy automatically inched her way toward the wall. There's another room, her husband's. I might have made a mistake. It might be in there. With as many rooms as Meg had in her home, hopefully Chuck's search would keep him busy enough until Taylor arrived or Kimmy found some way to call for help. She pointed to the door Duane had popped out of earlier today, and she marveled that someone like her brother-in-law could have ever frightened her. After what Chuck had already put her through during the past ten years, she should be immune to silly fears. Her legs were steady as he pulled her behind him, striding toward Duane's door. If you don't find me what I'm looking for, I swear I'll kill you. His voice was low and menacing, and Kimmy had no problem believing every word. Duane's room was different than his wife's. His king-sized bed took up most of the floor space, and the only other furniture was one small end table. Chuck yanked out the drawers, spilling their contents onto the bed. Just a few sports magazines, a bar of deodorant, and a plastic wrapper. Where are those blasted letters? Chuck was bellowing in her face, and Kimmy felt herself shrink as she tried to inch farther and farther away from his fury. You think you can get away with hiding them from me like that? He yelled. I told you I'd kill you if you didn't hand them over. He grabbed her hair and yanked down. You think you're so clever? I'll show you who the smart one is around here. She shut her eyes as he kneed her in the gut, and then the face. Blood spilled from her nose. She tried to swing her arm to push him away, but he grabbed it and kept it pinned behind her back. 
One small jerk and he could snap her shoulder out of place. He let his fist fall on her back. She let out a pained gasp as the wind rushed out of her lungs and Chuck mocked her in his grating falsetto. Is baby girl hurting? Did precious little princess get a boo-boo? Kimmy tried to not make any noise. Chuck had threatened to kill her in the past, but tonight he clearly possessed the physical stamina and clarity of mind to carry out his plan. Tell me where those letters are. His fist found its way to her gut, driving her to her tiptoes with its force. She collapsed onto the ground, and he straddled her in an instant. Stupid, stupid, stupid! What had she been thinking? That she could outwit him? That there was any way to get the upper hand? There was no way to escape this. Chuck wrapped his beefy hands around her throat. He was too strong. She couldn't protect herself. But maybe it was better this way. If Chuck killed her, at least she could join her mom in heaven. The thought sent a wave of peace spreading through her broken body. As long as she didn't give way again to fear, it was going to be all right. Warmth flooded her spirit. A peace far more poignant than anything she'd ever known overcame her senses. Her body flailed beneath Chuck's weight, but her physical survival instinct was something separate, something distinct. It wasn't her at all. She watched it as if from above. So this was what it felt like to die. She thought about how many times in the past she had struggled in vain against Chuck and his violent outbursts, striving with a purely animalistic instinct for her own survival. If she'd known death was anything like this, she would have never been so afraid. I'm going to see my mother again. The realization flooded her with joy, a sense of lasting happiness and contentment unlike anything she'd experienced in the past ten years. I'm going to be with Jesus soon. No, not even soon. God was here, right here, right now. She knew it just as clearly as she knew that once Chuck killed her, she would be in the presence of a majesty more holy and powerful and personal than any mortal could dare imagine. That glory was hers. It was waiting for her. She could almost hear the sound of her heavenly father's voice, ready to welcome her into paradise. Somewhere in the distance, Chuck was roaring at her, cursing her as he drained the life out of her with his meaty hands. Her body seized. Her brain jostled awake. Wait! What was she thinking? She couldn't die? She had to help her brother. She struggled, strained, even though she knew the battle was already lost. God, help me. I need to save him. Chuck's sweat beaded onto his forehead and dripped down on her. She had to get away from him, but it was impossible. I'm sorry, Pip. A few more seconds, and it would all be over. Maybe it already was. Through her blurred and blotchy vision, she saw Chuck stand up. He was done? It was just as well. Just a few more minutes. Then she'd be home. At the doorway, he turned. Something small was in his hands. He aimed it at her. Kimmy didn't even hear the gun's explosion. 
Chuck's words and threats meant nothing anymore. She closed her eyes. She was ready to go home. You've been listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by the Beloved Daughter Audiobook, available exclusively on Audible. Visit alanaterry.com slash beloved to download the Beloved Daughter Audiobook, narrated by two-time Audio Award winner Kathy Garber. If you're new to Audible, you can listen to this award-winning novel right away with a no-risk 30-day free trial when you go to alanaterry.com slash beloved. And don't forget to tune in soon for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Thanks for listening.